and welcome to this week's bonus podcast and it is one of those episodes it's going to be a long one finally after like 20 weeks or so we've caught up with the next five years of classic coronation street so today we're going to be talking about the episodes that we've seen between 2000 and the end of 2004 what's next i'm michael who are you Gemma. thought you were how you doing oh right so i don't know just just have to say that because it's the thing we say at the beginning of the podcast. You know who you're listening to, everybody, and probably what you're listening to too, because it's in the title of this. Gemma, I need to ask, how did you find our latest foray into classic-ish Coronation Street? And it's classic-ish because we're, we're getting closer and closer to modern day, aren't we? Now we're past the millennium. I'm not enjoying it as much. And as much as what? But as much as the older episodes. <laughs> I, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. And looking down the notes that we've been making over the last few months, I'm like going, oh yeah, there's some, there's some quite good episodes there. there. There were some definite, like, great episodes. Um, but there, yeah, there weren't really quite ones. so many mm-hmm. fairly good ones. Uh, no, I was, no, there, there were like some really great ones. A, a decent number of, yeah, that was quite good ones. But not so many of the in-betweens you know and and there were definitely some where I thought oh, that, that was a fairly dull episode apart from a particularly memorable scene maybe um so I, I have been enjoying it but it, it's not grabbed me as much as as some of the older ones for sure and um it, it definitely feels um it feels like we're past the past the golden age. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard to put. But maybe as we discuss it, we'll we'll be able to put our fingers on exactly <laughs> what it was. Um, well, I know what it was. It's because um, because there's less of a feel of like exciting exploration that there has been in the older ones. Where I'm like, oh, this is this is something famous that I've heard about, or I'm I'm glad I get to find out more about this character. Or mm. um, there's also like the the interest that I feel about looking back at how people used to live in different eras and um like before the 80s it was like wow it was like that before I was born and then when it was the 80s it's like oh yeah I remember when it was like that mm. um and uh and it's also um like some of the stuff I've already seen before or I know the characters just, yeah that's... Just, and also the other thing is there are more episodes and I said this before when I've said, said I didn't enjoy it as much for other time periods, but then the, there are more episodes, so the stories are spread out more and there are fewer episodes that we actually watch. So I'm not getting, like, back in the very early times, I feel like episodes were a bit more standalone than they are now, but also um, I feel like I got to see all of a story, you know, from beginning to end. Yeah. Sorry, that's a cat. Um, <laughs> and, and now it's like, oh, here's the end of this story. Or, yeah, mostly this there, is the ending of the so-and-so story. There's been some that we've seen, you know, I, I, I tried to pick a, try, a, a yeah, variety a of episodes on. throughout it, like the Hillman saga, which I'm sure we'll get to quite soon, because that to me was still the biggest story of this five-year period. But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying about it not feeling as, as new or, you know, discovering. Because this this was the era when you started to watch it, wasn't it? You started watching when we first met, and that was in 2001. So um, 
but although you didn't watch all of it during that period because you know if there was like if we were ever separated like in the summer holidays or Christmas or whatever you wouldn't watch it then then there was of course the year where I was living abroad in France um that was like late 2003 to summer 2004 so you didn't watch it then even I didn't watch it then so there were there were some episodes that are on here that I hadn't seen before although I was able to catch up with uh with the with the Coronation Street visual updates but now I got to see them which is good um but I just want to say that um it's quite funny thinking back because it was I mean it it was and it wasn't a long time ago but hilariously when you lived in France um the only way for you to watch episodes of Coronation Street would be to get them recorded on a VHS tape yeah and then you could watch them on your little um portable like that we used to it's very very common in that era to have a TV that had a VCR. Yeah, a little combi in there. In the, in I don't think I, I don't think I did have the, very um, many things recorded. The screen though. of the TV was like a little fourteen barely, inch. Yeah, barely wider <laughs> than an iPad. Yeah, I, but I, I the don't. Resolution was crap. Yeah, you didn't get very many episodes. I was just saying, yeah, if you but... were to have request one. Yeah. Because I remember I brought you an episode of something. I think it was the live episode of the Bill. Yes, it was. And um, you ha- um, hated the fact that I laughed all the way through it and then you told me off and we had an argument <laughs> yeah I remember that I can't believe you still remember that uh, well I remember every argument we've ever had <laughs> oh my gosh you've got a very good memory yeah. then um no I um I, you're right about it being it's funny how it's modern but not quite isn't it because it definitely feels a, a lot closer closer than it ever has to you know modern Corrie um it it feels like I mean, what they're getting up to could be happening right now, apart from you know the prevalence of mobile phones and internet still isn't the same as it is these days. Although we, the, a lot of the characters do seem to have mobiles, don't they? They don't really talk about the internet so much in it. Although there was, of course, that episode with Sarah Louise and her internet stalker. So it, it is. It, it's funny how... How, how quickly it's been catching up to, to these days. I'll tell you another thing that's interesting about what you said about the, um, about the internet thing, is that I bet you, if you're watching at the time, that storyline, you would have been, oh, this is so out of touch and, and clunky. But watching back now, I'm like, wow, how cutting edge that they're covering such a modern topic. <laughs> like, it felt really, it felt really um, uh, like, contemporary, didn't it, for, for yeah. them to do that, because that was the era where... Our everyone, you know, our parents were always like, "Don't go on the internet because it's full of paedophiles and, <laughs> and nobody on the internet is really who they say they are, and everyone's lying, and they're all secretly middle-aged men." Yeah, now that was an episode that you hadn't seen before, wasn't it? But it was one that you, you'd heard about. It's quite a famous episode <laughs> at the time. So Sarah Louise um, gets chatted up online by some guy who says that he's maybe a few years older than yeah. her goes around to his house and it turns out that he's like 30 or something oh he's so old he was he was he was pretty he creepy was wasn't he 30 yeah, okay. he's got on. <laughs> um but so tell you what sarah louise i love that episode yeah it, it was it was dark and creepy that and on edge wasn't it was fantastic i don't know i don't know what the actor is called but he was so good at playing this like incredibly sinister and creepy like man who's like trying trying to lie to sarah to say anything he can to get her to feel comfortable and try to i don't know what his end game well we know what his end game was but i don't know how he thought he could get from 
Mm. where he was to what he wanted. I enjoyed one of the things I enjoyed there that it was it was filmed in someone's house and it didn't feel setty at all. And that and then they made good use of, you know, going around the corridors and going upstairs, her hiding under the bed and everything. And then that, that great sequence at the end where um uh, was it yeah, Dennis. Dennis Stringer comes to rescue um her after like Candice tells says go, go, goes and finds out what uh, it says that she's there or something. I can't remember what it was. And they have that that massive attack music and then the, and a great yes, long teardrop. Yeah, yeah. And then they have a great long shot from from the corridor outside and then kind of up into the sky. Like it was like a drone shot, but obviously it wasn't bad. It was then. very powerful. It, that was so well done. And luckily for them, that song is not has not really dated. Like it's it still feels like you could use that music now in a mm. um, dramatic scene, and it would it would give it a sort of melancholic poignant atmosphere but like that was very dangerous to use um i assume it was i can't i don't know when that came out um that was 2000 let me just have what, a look oh, I know. oh no yeah no i don't know that was 2001 the episode wasn't it um i i feel that there, there were more episodes in this era that that sort of melancholic that was 98 so oh, okay. it was you know. Fairly, fairly modern then. Yeah, yeah there, there were there were quite a few episodes there where that kind of music could have fit in because I, I would say melancholic was the tone of you know not the majority of it or anything, but more it, things did feel a bit darker and grimier and grittier, which well, we were saying at the late the late nineties, the transition from classic Corrie into modern Corrie had had well and truly happened by the end or by by the period that we've just reached, hasn't it? That's the thing, also. Is that these episodes are cherry picked, and the big major stories in this era were sort of headline grabbing and mm. trying to compete with the other big TV shows. And you know, 2000, the, the early 2000s was when um, sort of big headlining TV shows really became an important part of pop culture, mm. you know? Like, TV was always has had its place, but it felt a bit more disposable and a bit more kind of... I don't know. I can't really... I don't really know how to describe it, but it's only really with the advent of shows like Lost and Desperate Housewives that tentpole television with big stars and big names became really important. Yeah. And it's not like TV would never had big like culty following before then. Like I'm thinking of like the X Files, for example, that and Buffy. That was like the very very beginning of this new era of fandom and television watching, where people could talk on the internet about what they were watching. So definitely the X Files and um, and Buffy had that. Like people on like BBS forums and stuff talking about the show. Mm. Yeah. So so TV probably it feels like you know this is very uneducated got a bit darker and a bit more involved because yeah. it was fostering a different kind of viewing experience and it was also competing with different. Mm. And the other thing about it too is that, um, you know, the ones that the ones that we've, we're watching are the ones that stick in everyone's mind or that they were important. And those are going to be the stories that revolve around fairly dark things. Mm. I mean, 2001 itself, that, that also had Alma's death and mm. Toya's rape as well. So yeah. it was it was a bit of a dark year for Corrie, both of which I think were done very well. And I know that, that you know, both have had various criticisms um, 
given to them you know the the, the misery of toya's death around easter alma no. sorry, sorry rape sorry around easter alma's death happening a little bit too quickly just to speed it up for for story drama purposes but they were both really really well done and <clears throat> um I, I think with toya and sarah louise actually um georgia taylor and um tina o'brien showed just how brilliant young actresses they were back then and they were used a lot weren't they because this, this is uh, it was around the was it 2000 maybe or maybe it was late 99 i can't remember that tina o'brien took over as sarah louise and she had she had the pregnancy stuff in in 2000 didn't she when she mm-hmm. <laughs> she gave birth to uh to britney at first later yeah. renamed bethany um and and then she had this internet storyline the stalker and of course the richard tillman story that she was quite um key in toya we we noted that towards the end of the 90s she was really she was used tons wasn't she Con- considering that now the, the character of toya often gets sidelined she was huge name in Coronation Street back then. I think it's also interesting um, how little there really was a Chav Toya. Like, she came mm. in, the first the first episode she was ever in, she nicked that drill yeah, out she, of uh, Bill's someone, van, yeah, yeah. Um, and gave it to her dad as a present. Mm. And they were, they were, you know, her and Leanne scobbled and she was kind of, you know, very kind of slobbish appearance and um, I think she smoked as well, did yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, she was very rebellious and um, chubby. But then she really changed quite rapidly into a very similar person to the toy that we know now. That's why she, you know, she ended up going to university and everything. She, did she go to she university? She had a lecturer. Oh, that, a oh, that was a college lecturer. Um, but... Oh, that was funny because she was getting... um, <laughs> she, she was getting out with her lecturer, wasn't she? And, and uh, Les was saying that he was a lecture lecturer or something like that. It was quite funny. Yeah, it was good fun. What were you saying? Um, she, in a way, and this is going to sound weird, she kind of reminds me a little bit of Ken, in that hmm. it's a generation of, of people that feel as though they are defining an era, okay? So she's a, she's like an, she's like an elder millennial or a zennial or the very end of Gen Z, or this very, the cusp of this generation of people who are, um, a, you know, like, it's like a notable generation, the same way that Ken was in the generation of, um, kids that were growing up to sort of, you know, um, like hippies and stuff, you yeah. know? And they're not quite a part of the mainstream, but they definitely represent a rebellious sort of spirit to to their parents. And it's funny because Toya's rebellion is the same as Ken's in that she went to educate herself and mm. rejected the sort of more working class roots of her family yeah. and therefore kind of alienated herself a little bit from them. Mm-hmm. I think it was funny how quickly and how early the character was dropped because she was, what, 2003, I think? So she only had five, six years or so in this show and then she was gone for yeah. another 15 years or so and now yeah, it feels weird. like she's kind of always been in it. I know. It's like there was never a gap. And Leanne as well, she went even earlier than Toya, didn't she? She went, I can't remember where she went off to. Um, and we've just seen in a recent episode her being discovered again in, um, was it like it was a massage parlour or something, belly dancing. Yeah, yeah. With a, that was a bit weird. And it was really interesting, actually, how funny and the, the, the attitudes have changed about, like, the guy, who was the guy, the taxi driver? Patrick. Patrick. So they all went off and it was, I can't remember who. It's Patrick, Les, um, 
can't remember who else was there. And a bunch them. of other people. But yeah. um, so they went to this club, and all of the waitresses were dressed in belly dancing outfits. And then Patrick starts feeling them up. He actually and... he does give Leanne's bum a squeeze, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he's like, "What? What's your problem?" And he was getting really aggressive with them. And she was sort of slapping him and they were fighting with each other because he wanted to touch her and she didn't want to. But he wasn't the villain of this story. It was just a funny, hilarious misunderstanding. Mm. And in a way, it was actually Leanne's character that was in the wrong because it's like, well, if you don't want to be felt up, you shouldn't be a belly dancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like now you could never have that at all. And it is really funny because I I remember when I was a cleaner about this time, mm. I had... um. A guy from a different campus, a cleaner from a different campus came to cover somebody who was, who was away. And he was telling me about um, an exhibition because he came from Winchester, which is an art, which is the art campus of Sonnton University. And he was telling me that there was one of the, one of the students was doing a performance, performing performative art where she walked around naked. Right. And he was scandalised <laughs> by this. But the reason that he was scandalised is he said, and you weren't even allowed to touch her. Really? And that was his major gripe <laughs> with the fact that she was naked. And he really felt entitled mm. and confused and angry about the fact that he wasn't allowed to. And it's like really interesting because this was not that long ago. Well, no. And, and that was something that we remarked on as well with all the whole stuff with Todd coming out, didn't yeah. we? And some of the attitudes. And this is what, 2004 maybe that he came out? And that was a great story. There were some wonderful scenes between Todd and Eileen, weren't they? When yeah. he first reveals to her, I'm in love with a man. Who was yeah. it that he fancy? Was it was it? at work I can't remember yeah. and, and 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 her she 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 didn't automatically kind no. of accept him straight away and some of the words that were being used like Vera in the cafe yeah. and she she was calling him all sorts he was yeah. saying oh these fairies such yeah, and you're such not allowed and like, here. yeah yeah she but literally wouldn't serve Todd because yeah. he was a fairy in her words yeah well it, it's also it's interesting that Coronation Street felt a lot freer for characters to represent views that um, so I don't, I can't really remember that far back about how I felt personally about people being gay. I didn't know any, well, my, well, actually that's not true. I think we, we were pretty, pretty accepting because my mum's best friend was gay. Mm. Um, and I didn't really have an opinion about it. Um, but I think in general at the time, it's not like if you're like, it was a big thing to come out. And I think everyone was kind of accepting, but there were always jokes and silly comments about people being gay. Um, but Coronation Street felt a bit freer for, for characters to represent those that spectrum of views a bit more honestly than they do now. So yeah. now, um, a first of all, I don't think it would be a big deal if a character came out. No. But secondly, if they did, if the, if the parent then didn't wholeheartedly accept them, because we had this set with Dev didn't we? Mm. And he was struggling with it, but his problem was like, you know, oh, how are you going to live your life? You mm. know? And that, that's a very kind of um, positive reaction for, like it It shows that they're worried about it, but only for the person, mm. not, not for any other reason. Whereas Eileen kind of struggled with it a little bit and she was very confused and she wasn't positive about no. him. But then, you know, you can say back at the, in that time, it wasn't great. Um, it wasn't a, po a great experience to be gay anyway. Not that it always is now either. But I just find it interesting that characters really had a bit more of a grey yeah. spectrum of opinions. And they weren't necessarily a villain or a, or a goodie or a baddie. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now I think everyone's very anodyne and 
um, everybody has the same opinions about everything and everyone's very PC and um, you know if they if they say something ignorant they're swiftly educated mm. or and they're very apologetic and they learn their lesson like when we had with the racism storyline with everyone in the rovers talking about racism and all learning how that it's bad mm. and so like I can't see that of happening back in the old days yeah, I reckon. I re- honestly, re- I find it more interesting in the old days. I know people; it was more offensive, and it's easy for me to say that. But all, equally, I'm a woman, and the attitudes towards women were horrific. But I still find it interesting and entertaining sometimes to learn about other people's opinions. Yeah, and it's it's it was um, um it felt like people weren't as threatened. Hmm. Along along those similar lines about um people weren't necessarily villainized for having um these particular attitudes you you were also noticing i suppose i was as well but the smoking thing as well we 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 often mention like these days if someone's got a cigarette in their mouth that's how you know they're a villain you got a couple of vapors that are still left but barely even that we see at the moment but back even you know 2004 you you had karen mcdonald's smoking on a fag didn't you and it was just you know she did and that quick turnaround in in less than you know 15 years or whatever is quite yeah quite remarkable it's it makes you wonder what with the rovers being a less used set because of covid mm. whether there will be some kind of because i think that <clears throat> smoking um like the new smoking is either going to be meat eating or it's going to be drinking it's going to be something you know that everyone's like, going to look oh, back and say i can't believe can't believe everybody just used to sit and drink all night yeah I don't know. I feel like people don't want to give those things up, but equally, <laughs> nobody wanted to give up smoking inside, did they? No, no. You still had um, people like Blanche who were very free with their with their views about things, weren't they? Oh yeah, she Blanche was great. Was, um... She was. See, the thing is about Blanche is that she transitioned into being non politically correct as a joke, but before that happened, she was just saying what they thought an old lady would say. Yeah. Like it became like became funny, and um, they. The, the character was sort of, well, the writers were sort of in on the joke that, God, can you believe that Blanche said homosexual? How but she like, says it, homosexual. Then, yeah, but before then, she was, like, just being an old lady, yeah. just being very intolerant. Yeah, totally. Um, the, the only and other... I don't want anyone to get, come away with this thinking, oh, yeah, oh, the only reason I like it is because everyone wants free to be a horrible bigot. No, I don't agree with their, their with what they were saying, but I don't think it's healthy or useful for a show, especially like Coronation Street, that's supposed to represent a group of different people to pretend that these attitudes don't exist. Because mm. I think that's part of our problem now is that we pretend we've cured racism, we've we've cured homophobia, and it's not true. And really, it it should be obvious that it's not true, but instead it's just hidden and festering. Yeah. And then it sort of blows up in someone's face and everyone's surprised mm. that, that these people still, you know, have this attitude. It shouldn't be surprising... But because it's all sanitised and hidden away now, mm. and yeah. we don't confront it. Or, or like it, you said, it just comes across as like a, a public service yeah, announcement. A, a, like, a bit like the James racism storyline this here's year. Here's a very like, special episode about, you know, Dev discovering the word woke. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I, I think that, that an episode that felt like, oh, I don't know whether they could do that these days was the Ida Fag episode where Jack dresses up <laughs> as a woman for the uh, for the for the female bowls team. And that that was brilliant. That was so, so funny. But it's really you it, could not do that uh, now. No. And that was that was 15, there 16 were loads years of jokes ago about about um, Jack dressing up. 
Um, putting on a silly then, voice, and then he and then he meets this this uh, what is it Edie Bagshaw, his is his rival. That turns out that it was actually somebody called Eddie Bagshaw that he did his national service with yeah. once. And so um, she was actually a trans like, woman. Two blokes on a on a women's team. Yeah. <laughs> you can couldn't like, say that these days. But the episode itself was still pretty gold. I would say. And Vera there, she's lost her glasses, so she can't notice. She hasn't noticed him, and she's like, I'm sure I recognise that that Ida fag from somewhere. It you know, was so you good. Can, it's obvious that, that things like that contributed to a toxic toxic environment for people, trans people, gay people, etc. And it, it probably wasn't helpful, but it was still just part of how people used to tell stories. Yeah, yeah. And I, But the thing is, like, what... Although you do say these days, oh, what's what could be what's what's going to be offensive now that um, in the future that's now? I don't think anything really because everything's so carefully considered and worried. Everyone's worried about offending people. Yeah, yeah. But um, the thing is, you have to isolate these things and watch them in the time that they were created, and it's only fifteen years ago. That's the crazy thing to me. I know. This is why I kept saying about. You know, it's it's happened attitudes. so quick. People and, and forget this, how how quickly this happened. And not only was it only fifteen years ago, you can also say this was only you know five, six, seven years before we started the podcast as yeah, well. That's what seems funniest. Like we were barely out of this era by the time we started Conversation Street. It is funny. Yeah. Um, it's really weird, and you know, yeah, I, I, it's um, it's like carry on films and stuff. Yeah, they're, you can still enjoy them. And like Benny Hill, so offensive, but I can also laugh at them. Mm. And I don't, you know, like if they were very, very, a lot of this stuff is very sexist. Yeah. And as a woman, I can still go, <laughs> silly. Oh, I can't believe that you still oh, have that. Boobs. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, all right, okay, let's let's see what else we, we think um, characterises this era. I would say that there was a real kind of explosion of characters. L- lots more new characters in this five-year period, some of which are still going now, some of which didn't stay for very long. I mean, we talked about that, but, about Patrick, the cab- cabin, <coughs> for example. Yeah, but I would like, say a lot of these are like household names now. They are, but it was funny watching it, because it felt like, oh yeah, this was like this little bunch of characters, because be- before this era, you had still... I don't know. You, you had your group of classic, classic characters with your Alex and your Bets and your and your Lens yeah. and everything, and that felt like a different era. And then you had this that felt like a different era, but it feels very, very separate to modern day Coronation Street. So, even though that you still had, you know, Gail was still there, Audrey was still there, you had the beginnings of Fizz and Chesney and everything. Everything that was going on with, say, know, Karen and the Harrises and and Claire and. Um and, and Bev and Charlie and Shelley, it felt like they're they're their own little group of characters that came into the show for a little bit, had their stories for about four or five years, and then disappeared. And then that was literally the very end of of those characters. Kieran, Sunita, that they, they were, you know what I mean. Lot lots of characters that that belong together and then were forgotten about. Yeah. So some of which were. Yeah, which were quite small. The the Baldwins, Danny Baldwin coming in, Frankie Warren, Jamie, and everyone. It it was it, it was funny that um, uh, which um, 
what what kind of characters stood out to you the you know as a as a one that you enjoyed seeing again what what do you mean uh, of any of these new ones these uh, major or minor new characters well, the, the who most did you impressive enjoy debut to me was Eileen who came in the most Eileen that Eileen's ever Eileened you know yeah and it, again interesting she smoked yeah she did didn't she yeah and it was just well, Eileen's first episode was cracking she, she Sue Claver nailed that character right from the start exactly what Eileen was was what was expected of Eileen she delivered it perfectly yeah she was cocky was she was knowledgeable changed. she had Steve and Vic Ram wrapped around her little finger Very she got to talk herself into a job has changed about Eileen over the years. Uh, I think that she's she's got she's a bit more, more world weary now because she doesn't have as many scenes and you know, unfortunately, there aren't any good cab office scenes anymore. No, COVID. I, I remember loving her instantly, and then but and, and seeing her back in, in her debut, I just thought, yeah, Eileen was she fantastic back brilliant. then. She was so so good. And the whole of the Grimshaw unit, I really really enjoyed having Bruno there as as <clears> Todd <throat> and uh, and Ryan James as uh, Ryan Thomas, sorry, as uh, as as Jason. They had some they had some great little scenes together, but but particularly the um. The Todd coming out to Eileen scene was so well done, and then of course you had the Eileen and Gail fight, which we watched. And I was when that when we came up to that, I thought, oh, is, is it going to be as good? Because that's one of the scenes that people always bring up, isn't it? As like a a classic from that era, and uh, it was just as good to watch it again. That it, it was it was brilliant. Um, but then you had. You know, you had your Marias, you had your Kirks. Kirk was kind of funny because to me, he didn't seem quite so dense back then. They definitely had him saying silly things sometimes, but he felt like he had a little bit more nouse to him, don't you think? I, I, I think he's been slowly being poisoned by some kind of horrible... Brain. It's whatever's it's whatever's getting Gail, I tell you. He, he was he was never the brightest, or the, was he, the brightest bulb, but... um. Yeah, he he had a bit more to him back then, I think. Ty- Tyrone. Do you reckon they're still using leaded petrol? <laughs> Mate, must That's be. why Maria's complaining. She's got a point. <laughs> um, Tyrone, I enjoy back in this era. I mean, I, I've I've never stopped liking Tyrone really, but I, I I think it's been funny seeing him kind of grow up as a as a teenager and then kind of he he's still got a bit of the scrappy do syndrome even in this era, hasn't he? Because like when he was going up against uh, Terry Duckworth, for example, because Terry Duckworth swans in a couple of times in this era, doesn't he, to try and con his parents, and Tyrone's there kind of like puffing himself up to try and stand up uh, up to him. It's quite funny. Um, who else did we have? Um, Karen. She was she was always one who. I look back on, I thought, yeah, I really, really enjoyed Karen. Seeing her this time, it took me a little while to warm up to her. And I think it took a year or so for, for Saran to probably get into the role. She seemed a bit too nasty and, and cowy to begin with. But then I think when they took her just that little bit more characterised a little bit. No, there, there, there was that, but it was... Um, she, she was just a bit too horrible to other people. But when 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 maybe when Steve was able to control her a little bit and, and things blew up in Karen's face, it was quite funny. But I, I just enjoyed watching her kind of... I, I, I liked her, her looking down on other people and she would, she would... But when somebody or Steve stood up to her, she kind of like, you know, put her tongue inside her cheek or whatever and just going, oh, whatever. Mm. Um, and, um, and all the stuff with... Um, what else was Karen getting up to? The oh, there was the game show episode that we saw recently, wasn't there? Where the uh, McDonald's 
and the Barlows go on the, the top of the tree and no, Karen's... the Barlow McDonald's are the Barlow McDonald's. Are they the Madonna McDonald's? And, um, and she... And Steve was trying to hide the fact that he was going on this game show from Karen. What else did Karen get up to? There was the stuff with Joe Carter, that boss at the factory. That was a bit dull. The thing is, I think I remember watching Karen at the time and enjoying her more than I did in this rewatch because I don't think the episodes really... They weren't her best ones, the thing about but I Karen liked her more as it went on. In isolation, she's very abrasive and difficult. But if you watched her story, I think it was easier to like her. Mm. I, I think I might say that as a whole for this era, because I remember when I watched it, particularly around when the Hillman Sarah, um, story sorry, w- w- was at its peak, and then for a little while after that, I remember vividly at the time thinking wow, this is a really great era of Coronation Street. And I've been watching for six or seven years at that point. So I'd seen the, the highs and the lows and some years had felt better than others. But I vividly remember thinking that this 2003, 2002, 2004-ish sort of era was really, you know, top of its game. My favourite Corey had ever been. I didn't feel that quite so much re-watching it, but I think it was because we were we were just watching it in bits, like you said. Mm. Um Hillman then how did you find that because this this was the story that got you into it and when it, and I remember at the beginning of the podcast and back in the early days you always used to say that was the story that that hooked you into it and was your favorite Coronation Street story of all time did it live up to it when you rewatched it again it felt more like vignettes and and uh like um highlights reel of something than following a story and yeah. that's the trouble about all of these and obviously that's what they are but i feel as though when i watched older cory episodes i felt a bit more like i was following more of a story mm. that's all um it was fun to watch it i don't feel like our rewatch captured the essence of of it because a lot of these were like very slow uh drip you know mm. Well, we saw was, we saw the Dougie's death episode, didn't we? Yes. Um, which was quite fun because I can't remember whether you'd watched that at the time. I remember, I think I watched that without you, but and then I and then I showed you afterwards, and I hadn't realised that Dougie was going to die at the, the first. That was um, that was the first time that we'd seen Coronation Street in widescreen as well. And I rewatched that. It was kind of funny seeing seeing the show evolve in that way. Um, then we had um, well, oh Patricia's death, where he whacks her with the spade. That was quite, <laughs> that was fun. Um, and uh, then we, and we saw all the stuff with Archie and Audrey was great as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. There, there was that great um, four-hander in the end, uh, towards the end of 2002, which is Gail, Richard, Audrey and Archie. And that was where Audrey has trapped herself in Archie's house because she thinks that Richard's coming after her and she, she's, she thinks she's going insane. She's she's hysterical, and then Archie gets her to do these tests. Like, does she has to have to count down from hundred or something? I can't remember what she does. And um, he he asks her to remember something, and then he gets her to count down, and then he asks yes, her. yes, that's right. And I I love Archie so much. Archie was see, lovely. I feel like I learned more about Archie's character in this rewatch. Mm, and he was so way? gentle and nice. Just the way he was. I really liked the the way that he 
had to be convinced by what she was saying. Yeah. And um, then eventually she, he was completely on board with her, wasn't he? Yeah. The, but this... then there was also a bit where he was like, I don't know, are you mad though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay. they do this dementia test and, and, and Audrey's thrilled that she can still remember and she... She this proves to her that she's not going insane. She also remembers about Richard Newing knowing something about a battery and a smoke detector or something, and I think that's the the piece of evidence that Archie that makes him realise. Hang on a minute, I think she's onto something here. At the same time, in that episode, we have this great couple of monologues from Richard in uh, in number eight, where he's telling Gail about his mum or something, I, I think, and how she got dementia and um and how he kind of gradually lost her. Um, then we had the old Christmas thing where he tries to smother Emily with a pillow. Maxine's death. Christmas. Yeah. At, Christmas? at Christmas he tries to mash mash Emily. Yeah, yeah. but th- and then we had Maxine's death in a couple of weeks after that. That was like a late Jan uh, mid January kind of thing. Maxine's and, uh, death afterwards. Yes, it is. Yes, definitely. Thought, what do you mean? He tries to bash death? Emily. At, no, he tries to smother Emily at Christmas, and I think that does Rita come oh, along yeah. or something? I'm sorry, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I got Brian, confused. I was conflating the two. Yeah, no. Brian Capron was brilliant. He was so he so first sinister. Of all, he, tried to, he tried to smother her to death. Yeah, and then he was like, "That didn't work. I'm going to have to." Um, Basher. Gonna have to try again. <laughs> and we have, we have a funeral where he does the um where he does the speech and then Audrey's like saying, You killed it, you you killed Maxine. And it was just it was lovely having um Archie there by her side. Okay. Uh, and then and then we had the fantastic Norman Bates with a briefcase episode, which was um where it kind of somebody's leaving can't. party. I can't remember. And and throughout the episode, Gail is gradually realizing she's piecing together the bits of evidence from like listening to other people remembering the night of Maxine's death, and then um and and the fact that she she finds out that Aidan Critchley, who he tries to pin the death on, was drugged up on diazepam, which is the the medicine that Audrey was having and then she hears Steve talking about Patricia Hillman's bracelet um, that was found on the site and um, it all comes out in the second episode of the two-parter brilliant stuff and that was almost a two-hander as well wasn't it because you had the couple of there's a little bit of David and Sarah Lou upstairs in the dark but it was mostly a whole half an hour of just Gail and Richard and this was Gail at her top form long before um nutcase gale that we've got these days and and it had some great lines like that you know how how could it be an accident she was hit over the head with the crowbar and stuff it was a uh, i loved it and then you got your your, your canal splash that was I, I i loved i loved watching all that again and it just took me right back to what a brilliant period of coronation street that that story was and um i i still it, it's still making me think oh but did i like that better or did i like the pat Phelan story better and i don't know it's some these things are difficult to compare sometimes aren't they but um that that was that was so so well done um what else we got Gemma? tell me tell me about something else you've enjoyed in this era a character or a story or something um i um oh who did i like I don't know. What was my favourite story? I don't know. Mm. You tell me. Mm, I don't know. Oh, what did you think of... Well, I, I remember at the time. What about the uh, the bet return? Because that was quite a controversial uh, couple of weeks, wasn't it? So this was, what, 2002, maybe, she comes back? And, uh, yeah, what did you make of that? Because we really enjoyed bet from, you know, the original run. It was... <clears throat> 
<laughs> it was really weird watching watching it because it obviously is a car crash, but um, yeah, it just made me feel a bit sad because it's like, oh, it could have been great, you know, and it's um, it just, and I don't, I I remember sort of thinking maybe it was you know she wouldn't fit in, but actually looking at her in the show and how the show was. I think she could have done it. I think she could have fit in. She couldn't fit in now. She maybe could have, but I, I still felt that she was there a bit were, of a fish out of water then. And But there, there were still characters in it, like Les, for example, that were very weird caricature characters. You know, it, more symbolic than anything. It felt to me that when they brought Bet back, they were like, look, everybody, Bet's back. Let's make every line that she says a quip. Yes. And no, no, no. I don't mean her. I don't mean her performance and her story. I meant the the concept. Like, let's bring Bet back. I would mm. have said, you know, yeah, that's a good idea, and she'd fit in. And but I agree with what you're saying about the actual way that it was handled. Not necessarily very good and she was she was even more of a caricature than she's ever been before yeah and this was only like seven years after she left the first time which is you know barely anything really is it yeah but yeah they, 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 it felt like whoever it was that got hold of that first script to bring bet back felt like every single line had to be uh, a, a funny quip in the same way that we sometimes complain that we got sam at the moment that every line he says when, whenever he talks feels like it's read out of an encyclopedia. But also she, she came across, across as being a bit nasty. It was all... She it, sits in a booth, doesn't she? Smoking away at a fag. Yeah. And she doesn't... Um, it didn't feel like she engaged with anybody properly. It just felt mm. like the, the writers were like, right, I've got a load of lines and we need to put them in the scene. And yeah. they just... And, and like it was kind of completely out of context a lot of the time. And she wasn't interacting with people. She was just rattling off a bunch of one-liners. Yeah. Like somebody's... You know, like a kid who's just found a joke book. Mm. And they just want to keep coming out with all the funny lines that they've thought of. But they're, they're, they don't fit yeah. the, the circumstances. They, they, it was almost like a carousel of characters that would go up to her. Like Rita went up to her and was like, oh, I still, I still hate you. And then... Yeah. And, and Steve goes up to her, who's obviously got the history with, with Vicky and everything, and it, it it just didn't work. And we only saw that one episode, didn't we, of her comeback, and, and she only stayed for, what, a week, two weeks maybe, and then she was gone. Then she returned again in late 2003, and that, that was the Blackpool episode, so that was Fred, Bet, Liz... Um, was Jim there? I think he was uh, in Blackpool together. And we saw one episode of that and that worked a little bit better. And she had kind of a nice send off where um, she go ends up going down to, back to Brighton with Liz at the end, doesn't she? And she like says, oh, there's an out past tense about Bet Lynch when they're saying that they, you know, she, she passed yeah. or something. I don't know. It, it felt a bit better, but overall, I think it probably would have been better if she hadn't come back at all if if that 1995 exit was was it it's so it's still really weird to me that she and um Rita never they never bothered like it felt like such a missed opportunity and i can only assume that she it was planned for her to stay longer right yeah and i can only assume that they were going to build up to it yeah i and if I they'd known only... i bet you if they'd known she don't wouldn't have lasted very long they would have put more effort into actually tying her story up but I still, I still, I still, it still sticks in my craw that they haven't 
even as a throwaway that. line, have Rhea to say in something about that. Yeah. No. Like, oh, she's were, just someone unused. Like, even, they were such great even when pals. she's yeah, even when she's like lecturing somebody about some kind of interpersonal failure of theirs, it would be nice if she used Bet as an example to say something like, oh, you know, I know how you feel. I fell out with one of my best friends for years, but um, I'm seeing her at Christmas. You know, just some really throwaway line that out. You know, if you don't mm. know who she's talking about, it doesn't make doesn't mean anything to you. But it's part of the story and it's logical. And it doesn't feel shoehorned in but if you know the history you can go oh that's nice to know yeah. at least i know now that they're still friends i just find you know rita i i think she's a bit of an old fraud but <laughs> i don't think coronation street wants me to think that and for all her worldly dispensing of wisdom the fact that she couldn't maintain a relationship with one of the most important people in her life and she couldn't let bygones be bygones. I think it's a bit of a failure for her character. Mm. But equally, knowing Bet, I can imagine that she would never let her forgive, let, never forgive her because it's a shame. Because Bet, Bet, Bet is still easily one of my favourite characters, top ten, maybe even top five Coronation Street characters ever. And it just felt that she went out on a bit of a low, eventually. But at least her brief comeback did mean that we got. The amazing character of Lillian Spencer for a few weeks. Oh, she was great, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited to show you her, like Maureen Littman's original role in Coronation Street. And um, that now that is how you have a character come in, have almost every line be a zinger, and oh. it absolutely work. Yeah, it's it was it was so well done. It was just packed full of fantastic lines, mm. and again, um, only got to see you know a small amount of yeah we saw two uh, or three episodes of her didn't we but, but um, wow i remember at the time just desperately wanting more and being gutted when the character left after like two weeks on the show but uh yeah she, she coming in she's got a minor bird diner the minor you got fred fawning over her going oh she's a very handsome woman that that lillian um and and the relationship with uh shelly and gina behind the bar was brilliant there was that scene they're talking. About, I can't remember what they're talking about. Was it the one where Lillian um, says, um, "Oh, Shelley, is that short for anything?" Uh, like, no, it's just Shelley. Is that sh-? And um, I, and Lillian talks about me. Yeah, my name's Li- Lillian, never Lil. Um, oh, but you, I can't. Oh no, yeah, she says I'm a short in my name. And then like Gina says, well, "So we call you Lillian?" No, 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 dear, Miss Spencer. And and there was a great line. I can't remember where it is now. But Gina does this great dopey look. Where Lillian is, yeah, I, I can't remember what I know it was exactly now. What you're talking about, where she just looks really gormless, doesn't she? And yeah, she, and she says that I can't. Yeah, I, I can't. Remember. If you, if you haven't seen these episodes from like July 2002 with Lillian Spencer, where, where you you really do owe it to yourself to go and track them down. They're on they're on YouTube. Fantastic character, and then she's there with um. There's the stuff with Norris because he's at the time got his um. Weatherfield, not Weatherfield, Manchester Commonwealth Games outfit on, hasn't he? And he comes in and he leans in um, a pool of wine on the bar because Lillian's been swirling around some wine, like some yeah, kind of really wine taster or whatever. And then and he has a go at her and she's just foul to him. Um, it, it was so funny. And then she ends up barring <laughs> everybody for a couple of episodes, doesn't she? Well, it's a great example of somebody the same way that... Um... Sue Cleaver came in as like the absolute essence of Eileen immediately straight off the bat. It's, it's like a very well studied character 
who was was had a massive impact instantly and it is a very it's it's a massive talent to be able to do that with a character because quite a lot of them come in fairly bland don't they because they're still trying to work out what the character is who they are how the actor's going to work with that character and there are loads of loads of characters who have um developed into something much better than they ever were to start with you know Mm. lots of lots of people where they finally found their their feet after a while and become something amazing but it's very rare to come in and instantly just be fantastic particularly because this character was never meant to exist and she was brought in as a last minute oh my gosh julie goodyear has left the program we need to fill this a gap in the story quick what do we do and it's really interesting too because i wouldn't say the script was absolutely zinging it's more to do with maureen lipman's performance of the lines she, so it was a mixture I, I thought the script was pretty good but she yeah. was wonderful and uh, and up against john savadon and then um uh and then the actresses who played shelly and gina as well they just sparked off each other so well but what i mean is um, how did they get to that point? Like, how did, did they know that they were going to get Maureen Lippman in? Or I don't know. How did they write the script? Because anyone else, I think, with that script wouldn't have been as, as interesting. Yeah. But, but Maureen Lippman, with that character, and also with Evelyn as well, can just say a line that's, you know, anyone else would just be, you know, nothing offensive whatsoever, but mm. they can turn it into, the, like, the most devastating insult you've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Another character that I was excited for you to see um, for the first time, because, yeah, this was before you started watching it, was little Wayne. Oh! Little, because one of the things that we saw this over this five years was the rise of Roy and Haley as foster parents, wasn't yeah. it? We saw, we saw Fizz coming in. Um, and, and uh, Wayne, did they have, it was Wayne, before, was it before or after Fizz? I can't remember. I think it was after. But um, yeah, what did you make of him? Um, he was very, he was adorable, wasn't he? It was, it was weird because he's kind of like a little Chesney, really. Yeah. You know, this cute little red-headed um, waif. Yeah, he was just so, he was like classic tragic orphan, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, Harry does those really well. And um, yeah, y- y- your heart just melts for him. And and that and um, what did they have? They had Roy giving him this animal book, and he's like, "Oh, I hide it under me pillow," and that's what made us think of the report when they were when yeah. they, when he came back in a few years ago now. And um, and then they, then they had the story where Roy and Haley kidnap him in the um, in the in the forest to get him away from his evil stepdad, who was a nasty piece of work, wasn't Very he? Naughty. Alex Swinton. I know a lot of these. A lot of these are really hard for me to follow, to be honest. These stories because they we didn't get to see every episode of, of the story. And I felt a bit like I was peeping through someone's window mm. where, you know, I don't, I don't get to follow them around all day long. I can't hear what they're saying probably, but I can, I get glimpses and vignettes of things and can kind of infer stuff. But um, I think well, this story was hard to follow. Just... Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I just kind of picked it to show you because I wanted to see what you thought of Wayne and just how cute he was. Yes, he was very cute. <laughs> the other thing that I liked from Roy was that um, uh, Civil War reenactment story. Yeah, very Roy. Yeah, where he, uh, he, end, you remember he had his gun and he was stoking it in the supermarket, do you remember? And then yeah, he gets, gets arrested. Yeah, one freaks out. But that was, that was massively farcical, wasn't it? Having... Yeah. Um, 
uh, Fred Elliot was as the leader of the Cavaliers, and uh, Roy is the Roundheads going up and against gonna... each other on the Red Wreck, and they almost does Roy end up nearly braining Fred at one point? I can't remember. And they were going to dunk Karen, or no? They oh yeah, they have Karen in the stocks yeah. or something because <laughs> she was a witch. Yeah. Oh yeah, because um, Gina and Shelley. She, uh, Karen gets annoyed that she hasn't got a role in it, doesn't she? And then they say, oh, we've got the perfect role and for you. Like, and yay! Uh, yeah, yeah. That was silly. That was funny. Um, I really... i tell you what my favourite story probably was, mm. because I don't know that... Did I watch at the time? Probably, I can't remember, but it was it was probably the most exciting thing. Um, Mad Maya. Oh, yes. Yeah, we definitely watched that at the time because that was 2004. And that's that's very recent to us because we just saw the big explosion episode a couple of days ago, didn't we? But that she, that's the story when I look back and I think, oh, yeah, they said that. I think I remember that being quite big at the time, but I don't particularly remember it that much now. But I, I trust myself remembering it, it was big. But was it really? And then when we watched it, it was brilliant. And Mad Maya is like seriously underrated as a Coronation Street villainess. She is played by um, Sasha Behar or Behar, and she is oh fantastic. The She's looks that she gives. One of my favourite Corey villains. Yeah, but she doesn't. She's not. You know, she doesn't go down in the history books alongside the fe- the Feelings, the Hillmans. Uh, you because know, even story... sometimes Carmel Finnan is remembered more than Maya. The story is that she um, she she fell in love with Dev, and then she was spurned by him and she was like she's like a solicitor mm. um yeah she came in as a solicitor to roy and Haley in the wayne case and um so she kind of got uh booted out for sunita and she was so jealous and she couldn't get over it and then she burned down all of dev's shops in one night mm. and then the final one was the one on coronation street which is and she she tied sunita and dev up on the upstairs flat of the of the shop and then she turned the gas on and then she just lit a fire downstairs and there was a bit before then when a policeman came he was saying oh i'm just checking because the you know to see if you're right and she pretends to be sunita yeah and she's so i tell you what she's so fantastic she's got such a like a a great sexy posh villain voice isn't she yeah. like hi officer yes i'm sunita oh yes i'll make sure to look out Look out for her. Don't worry. Don't no need to wait outside. Mm. I like the, the episode um, earlier She's on in so the year beautiful. as well, where she was snooping around trying to get Sunita's passport so that she could pretend to be her and yes. marry all these. And she hides, and Sunita comes back to look for her medication. Yeah, Sunita and, and, and um, Maya nearly clobbers Maya her. Maya stands against the wall with a, like a, a raised vase or something, ready to yeah. brain her to death. <laughs> that was also the episode where we got to see Deirdre with her harmonica. Yes. And that came out of nowhere. I remember that Deirdre had every so often, like very, very rarely, it was like a little treat, like Rita singing, would get out the harmonica and it was so good. And, and Blanche, yeah. Blanche had been there telling her how disappointed she is with her or something. And, um, but then at the end, Blanche is like, oh, go on, play a tune. That was, we, so we got, to see, um, we got to see Blanche, I mean, Deirdre on the harmonica and also just recently um, Norris playing the church organ, didn't he? But you can only play, oh, I do like to be beside the seaside or yeah, devil woman. That Those was at, um, at Ashley and Claire's wedding. Yes. I still, I had, did you, did you enjoy seeing Claire again? I was a bit like nonplussed by her, which is basically how I think I felt about her about the, at the time. In in my head, Ashley and Maxine are the, the ultimate couple. No, Maxine see, is, the, think, is the woman. No, I think Claire and Ashley made more sense. They did, they did. But... They felt like a much, much nicer uh, pairing 
Maxine always, always felt a bit tense because I was just waiting for her to walk out on him. Mm. Um, but I will say, I reckon, watching it back, that Claire, her wedding dress was my favourite wedding dress Oh, yeah, of you all said that. Time. We were watching that the other she day. She looked so magnificent. The actual dress underneath, I'm not so fussed on, but her the coat that she wore over the top, she had um, like a gauzy um, hood on the cloak and it was embellished with pearls. And she just looked amazing. It was great. But ruined everyone's Christmas by insisting on having her wedding <laughs> on this day. So her poor bridesmaids had to, you know. Yeah. The wedding should be a special day on its own. You don't need to put it on Christmas Day too. I I, I just found the Unless character fairly bland. husband won't remember. It, it was a bit like, you know, uh, Curly and Emma because Emma, Emma what's her face, was also came Emma into it in this era. Emma, what's her face? She came into it this this that's, period, right. didn't she? And then a couple of years later, dragged Curly off to Newcastle. <laughs> he didn't really seem like he wanted to go, did he? On Maybe. the on the leaving party, doesn't Jack go round to uh, to number seven and find Curly sitting there? Going, oh, I don't want to go, but yeah. she goes off anyway. He just gets a really miserable exit. I know, I know. But what he did have was the brilliant Millennium episode a few years before, and that was one of the. Well, that was the first one that we watched in this in this chunk, wasn't it? Because that was first of January two thousand, and and that was the second one we watched. Because the the no the the first of January was the Millennium Party, which was which was quite fun. Um, but Raquel comes back at the end of that episode. Then the second of January we had the uh, the Raquel and Curly, and that that's got to be up there with that's that's up there in my top ten episodes ever. It was an hour long, just Curly and Raquel. It was just perfect for me and it's it was it was so tragic because curly's got all his hopes up that she's come back for him and he's excited and he and he shows her his telescope and everything they go up and have a look at the star that's named after her yeah you, you, uh, but then it turns out that she's just come because she wants to did she want to get a divorce or something that she shows she can marry her arno in france and the, the bit where she picks up the phone and speaks like perfect french to to Arno, which is like the conclusion of this character arc that started back in the early nineties when Car- when um, Raquel wanted to learn to speak French. It was utterly perfect for me. And then there's there some great lines as well there, like about wine being good for French babies and um, the French being much like the Weatherfield um, residents because they drop their H's at the beginning of words and stuff. It was utterly, utterly. Mas- magical and mesmerizing that episode uh, written by John Stevenson who's the character who's the actor sorry who's the writer who created Raquel um and weirdly the, the, the bit of trivia about that one is that if you look at the episode numbers that one is like outside of the rest of the numbering system so it doesn't count as a as a numbered episode and it I think it was it, it, it was yeah it was kind of very <coughs> hush hush wasn't it when it was made did you en- did you enjoy that one as much as I did? I just adored it from start to finish. I thought it was good, um, but the thing is, you hyped it, you hype it so much that it, it's never gonna, it's never gonna um, up, live up to. Mm. To what you you know. I, don't know I think I think it was after that point though that Curly takes a bit of a nosedive, and I don't think you were ever that into him as a character, were you? I, I I always quite like Curly. I would definitely say that when I started watching it, he was one of my favourite characters. But early two thousands, he just got a bit dull, and he went for he didn't even, he was a counsellor or something. And then he goes out with Emma and Emma was like the death. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else? What else we got? Um, 
Um, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Um, well, let's talk about Tracy because Tracy. Oh was, yes, um, we got our Kate for Tracy now, haven't we? She came in, um, and she was it was like the cat amongst the pigeons, wasn't it? She was she was vindictive, horrible, um, <laughs> predatory. She uh, ruined Roy, didn't she? Yeah, that thing with where she um where she bets she has a bet of Bev, doesn't she? That she can take Roy well, to like bed. A penny or a pound, yeah, that's, I that's that's right. And um, that was quite early on in Kate Ford's tenure as uh, Tracy, wasn't it? It was in the first year or two, so it's like they knew what they were doing with her straight away. I can't away. remember whether Tracy was a villain. When? Well, before Kate Ford, I can't remember anything about Tracy. Not really. She she went off the rails a little bit, didn't she, with the Dawn Acton Tracy? Did she come and... back from somewhere? That there, there was a she she kind of mid nineties. Tracy just moves away, and then she kind of comes back every now and again. Oh, she goes right. she goes away with her older boyfriend, and then yeah. she's just not in it very much. And then yeah, once once every now and then she'll she'll turn up again. And we saw her getting married to Robert in ninety nine or something. I can't remember. Um, but no, she was she was never a villain. She just became a, gradually a little bit more of a thorn in Deirdre's side as the as time went she, on. She was just like a difficult teenager, though. Yeah. And then when Kate Ford took over, Tracy was just like you know one of the most unlikable people, probably. Or like you probably but it's loved, still so fun. Love to watch her, but hate her personality because she was a very big character and she was behind a lot of the mischief mm. on the street. So one the thing that she did was she pretended that she slept with Roy to mess with his head. So she she drugged him mm. and then she took him up into her bedroom and made him go to sleep there. And then in the morning when he woke up, he assumed that they had slept together. And they did really, really good... Um, a reaction to that because you know the, the first of all there's the excruciating walk down the stairs well there's also like he find he has to pick up her bra or something to get his socks something and and it's and it's really funny yeah the, the awkward moment when he wakes up and he doesn't want to wake her up but he wants to get out and he needs to find his clothes then he tiptoes down the stairs but De- uh, Deirdre and Ken and little, little Adam is there as well and they're like they? oh, do you want breakfast and he's like oh god and then he yeah. leaves but then um you know, and I guess you're 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 laughing, but then when it cuts to him in the shower, and he's freaking out, and he's you know, mm. washing it, washing the sins away almost, because he was he was um, not well cut, married, you know, yeah, illegally <laughs> to Haley at the time, so he's he was uh, dedicated, you know, dedicated her, his life to her, and then he thinks he's done this. Behind her back, and of course Haley's not there at the moment because she's uh, attending she's, a sick relative. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and that, and then Tracy gets pregnant. She tells Roy that it's his baby, um, and then the croppers sort of adopt patients. They call her, and then she's tragically whisked away from her at the. Uh, at the is it the wedding Harris. or is it the christening? I can't remember. One well, of, one first of, the of all, two she that... goes and she causes a fuss at Stephen Karen's wedding, mm. and she gets threatened with a stiletto. Yeah, and then she also causes a fuss at the christening mm. of the baby. And does she mess up Stephen Karen's second? I can't remember. But her and Karen have this massive, massive, ongoing feud, don't they? From, yeah, like for almost from the beginning. That of, was brilliant of, tra- of Kate Ford's Tracy, 
um, because they both, you know, Tracy always loves Steve. Mm. There was even a scene recently in Corey where she says, I think I've loved you more than you love me. Because mm. um, obviously, you know, she's as fun of many as far as Steve's concerned. <laughs> but this kind of, the rivalry for, between those two, w- w- that was a massive story thread throughout throughout these episodes. And then it culminates with um, Karen going off the rails um, kidnapping Amy because she had because Karen had a miscarriage mm. and all she really wanted was a baby. Well, she what we didn't see um, in two thousand and four was was very much of the breakdown story. We saw little bits, didn't we? But she kind of she really regresses and it was after her mum dies and she has all these flashbacks because of when she her... had a very religious upbringing yeah. and she was always told she was worthless. Yeah, and we didn't see too much of and that. It was very but... traumatic and she was abused. Mm. And when her mum died, she kind of tried to make out that she didn't care. And it mm. didn't bother her. And she had this sort of sheen of bravado. But it all kind of went went away. And there was um, an epic rooftop battle. The same episode yeah. when um, Claire and Ashley are getting, getting married. There's a Christmas Day rooftop battle between Tracy and Karen in the rain. When Karen sort of like draped across the side of the building about to drop to her death. <laughs> and Tracy's standing over her with a stick about to stave her brains in. Which is a bit, literally the definition of overkill. And then Steve comes and rescues Karen. And Karen kind of like thinks, I don't know. She she kind of expects them to to reconcile but but Steve kicks her out and then that's really the end of Karen mm, yeah it is she that was Christmas day and then Boxing she's Day gone. she's gone but yeah. we, we didn't even see that did we so we've seen the last of <coughs> Karen now and um, up next it's Becky I suppose in Steve's yeah, long line yeah. of ladies so that I'm looking forward to seeing to her soon yeah definitely there was also a little mini storyline um, with the Harrises when uh, and the, Nel- the Nelsons slash Harrises, and they come in and... Well, th- this is what I mean about characters like that were together for this little era and then just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. I, quite, I, I thought they were quite good, it really. Was quite, it was a really good... You know, I think that um, witness protection, I think that was a bit of a trope back in, that, back in the day. You know, the same way that when we were kids, everyone would fall into quicksand and die. Mm-hmm. It's like witness protection... That seemed to be like capture people's imaginations, and so Coronation Street had a story about a witness protection family, and you don't know that that's who they are until um, Katie. Little, yeah. Katie gets um, sort of trapped, didn't she? Oh yeah. Was that um, in but, this bit? Yeah, yeah. That was it. That was it. I think we knew. I think we knew before then, but we we didn't see it. But we didn't know immediately but, though. It came out. Yeah. After the a while, uh, the, the gang were, members that included that's the guy right, who yeah. used to play Eddie Windass. Yeah. Or we, they went yeah. on to play Eddie Windass. That's Steve right. Reason. We knew before then because they for stu- some stupid reason. Well, it wasn't for a stupid reason. It was because they were stupid. They get a phone and they start texting people that they know. Yeah, that's right. And saying where they are. Yeah. And then everybody talks to everybody else and then their cover gets blown and then the thugs come to and they're like threatening to kill Katie and Oh yeah, and she because she's, she's diabetic and they won't let her have her insulin, will and she they? She keeps saying, Oh, I'm gonna faint. Oh. Yeah. And then you've also the Harrises, another big story there is her and Martin. Yes. Which we haven't seen a whole lot of their relationship, but have we? This I just didn't... cements how the fact that I really find Martin an unlikable well, character. I, I don't think we... I think that this was the era that Martin massively <clears throat> declined for us. And part of it was that never-ending story where he was going out with Jill Halfpenny's character. Um, that nurse, Rebecca, was she called? She just wouldn't go away. 
And every time she said she was going to leave, then she would pop up again. And we just, even though we were watching just snippets, it felt like every episode for, for weeks that we were watching, he'd be sneaking off and having a secret loving sessions with, with, with Jill Halfpenny. The thing that annoys so me about dull. Martin is that he's a character who acts as though all his misfortunes are things that are foisted and happening to him rather than him being the instigator. Mm. You know, he spends a lot of his time running around, like, moaning and shouting about stuff, all of which he's brought on, his, on himself. Yeah. Not sympathetic to him at all. Well, he he ends up... Um, he I can't remember what the final well, story is with him and Gail, but he ends up buggering he, off so that run, she can go out with Richard Hillman. With, runs off with this little girl, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and currently they're still together, aren't they? I think yeah. that's what we're watching. And it, was, it was just this horrible, cringy scene where they're in the kitchen together and she's like, oh, I made you tea or something. And then she's like, anyway, I've got to go to school. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh man. Like, as a grown man, how could you... Like, is, how old is he there? Is he the same age as us? I don't know. No, Maybe a bit younger. younger. He's younger. But like, a, he's, a he's girl in school and you're like, make my dinner. Yeah. And do your homework. Very weird. Yeah. Speaking of schoolgirls, we also had uh, Candice this era, didn't we? Yeah, she's not been in a very. She, many she's episodes. not been in loads, but I don't think she was ever really a major character. But um, I've I've quite enjoyed seeing her again, even if there wasn't anything majorly remarkable that she did. Um, what else did we have? Okay, talking about relationships, then we another big story towards the beginning of this was the um Mike and Linda Sykes story, which we're starting to see. We're seeing the beginning of it in on ITV three at the moment. And I do have to apologise to anyone who's watching the classic Coronation Street episodes because we're this whole discussion is basically just spoiling what's going to be coming up yeah. for you for the next few years. <laughs> but um, I it, it was okay. The, the, the Mike and Linda stuff. The wedding was kind of exciting when it all comes out about her having an affair with Mark. Well, that was a very dramatic, um, <clears throat> very dramatic few scenes, wasn't it? Because they were supposed to be getting married yeah. in this big mansion. Um, and then she goes up, or they both go up and he's there, the, the son, Mark, yeah, Mark. drunk. Um, and sort of melancholic and, and threatening to blow the lid on the whole thing. And she's trying to convince him not to. And then Mike comes along and then she's trying to get Mark to shut up. But then it all comes out. And then she's desperately trying to convince um, Mike to stay with her. And he won't have it. And the whole thing ends in a very nasty fashion. But then for quite a long time, I was like... Has she, has he murdered her or something? Yeah, because the, the story goes like Linda does a bunk, doesn't she? And, we, and yeah. then we never see her again and Mike does get accused of murdering her. But I can't it turns out all right in the end. Well, turns the out all right in the end. The and actress, then... like, left, didn't she? Yeah. And it, she left so abruptly that actually some of the scenes in that episode aren't even her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cause it, it... She just went, bye then. Yeah. Yeah, that that was weird. But I, I I can't say I was too disappointed to see the back of her. I did it... never like Linda. She was a right horrible bitch, wasn't she? She was mm. she was um I'm trying to there's nobody really like her. She's just unlikable. They didn't make any effort. She was very unpleasant. And mm. she wasn't even likably unpleasant. She was just an arrogant arsehole to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And she always looked like she was she smelled. <laughs> so speaking of um very unpleasant characters, we also got to see um Scylla, didn't we? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I used to think 
and this is maybe up until quite recently, that w when I look back, I preferred Les and Scylla. But actually, I think now that I've seen a lot more of Les and Janice together with Toya and Leanne, I do prefer the Battersbys as the original family unit. And Scylla was very, very unlikable. And when re-watching her again, I could totally get why at the time people didn't have any time for, for Scylla. She was almost obnoxiously, unlikably nasty. She had she her very, fun points. She was very confrontational. Yeah. Um, and, and she she just always seemed like she's out, out to get whatever she can. And, you know, there, there was this, this little story where Rita clips Chesney around the ear and and, and Scylla's there saying, well, we're going to take this penny shop, penny sweet shop um, owner to the cleaners. And um, But we all, we also did have the jacuzzi scene we, we watched recently, didn't we? That was kind of fun. With, with Michael in, who... Um, he grew very fast. I know, it was really funny listening to you being astounded at how quickly this dog grew up. Because he comes into it in like spring 2004, doesn't he, Schmeichel? Mm. And he's this little puppy that uh, that Maya gave Chesney because... That's right. No, did he give it to Chesney or did he give it to Tyrone? I can't remember. Because well, she, she steals Monica or something at first, doesn't she? I can't she remember. Was a, it was a gift from Maya. Yeah, and um, this little tiny Schmeichel was so With cute. big, big Big, big feet. feet. And then a couple of episodes later, he's like dwarfing Chesney. Oh, but um, Yeah, he, he was really cool. Um, and I did enjoy the old uh, little little Chesney and Fizz was fun. We, we saw Fizz's rooftop protest, didn't we? Where she, uh, oh, God. <laughs> on top of the factory roof where she gets her knockers out in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was such a, so much stuff happened in this. In these five years, it's kind of, and we've been watching it. We've been watching it for a few months now. So yeah, yeah. I mean, this is three yeah, or four months. So to, some of it is like it feels like too long ago like to honestly, remember. The the Millennium Two Hander really feels like it happened so. Mm. I mean, it was, we, were, we started off watching this set of episodes back in the old house, didn't we? Of course. <gasps> what house? No, is way that? way Can't back remember. in the old house. Um, what else did we have that we enjoyed? The Fresh Coast Siege was good, wasn't it? That was another early on one. That was that was a two parter where one of the late was that the one of the episodes was after dark and they actually get a proper swear word in and everything, don't oh, they? Yeah. To, to show just how tough this gunman is, he calls somebody a a gob s. A, yes, exactly. So rude, but um, that was that was so cool because we, I, I particularly like Ken and Mike being tied up together in the in the back room and them. Putting their differences to one this side. This is the one where I bit. said it was like a Mitchell and Webb sketch from Peep Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jez and Mark. Mm? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about Jez, like Jez Quigley, who we also got to see in this. No. But no, that Fresh Ghost Siege was very, very, very well done. Uh, Mike having his little heart attack. And they, they, they all have a barbecue together because they... They're trapped in there and they want stuff to eat. The police come there. It ends um, up with boring Emma shooting... Um, Dean Sykes, Linda's brother. That that was. Um, I don't think it's particularly remembered. That I think the people that know about it remember it. Do bang on about how great it was, but it it hasn't gone down it's as gone one down of the all time Cory greats. But I remember watching that, thinking that that was um really really good episode. Um, you know, a couple of months ago when we watched it, um, we had the the Cory live for the for the fortieth anniversary. That was great. With that, uh, with Prince Charles in and Vera lying there because get she's getting. Oh, we we ended yeah. up watching quite a few episodes in the lead up to that, didn't we? Because <clears throat> it had the Claytons coming back from, back from the eighties, including Terry's um, son, is it Brad? Uh, who who needs this 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 uh, kidney? No, not Brad. Brad was was um, thingy's um, 
Trisha's son, Paul Clayton. He needs he needs a kidney, and then Vera, Terry says that he'll do it, and uh, then he chickens out at the last minute. So Vera has to go under the knife, and um, yeah, the the live episode was very well done. Um, and then Abnoddy Holder turn up at the end, didn't it? Um, what else did we have? What else did you enjoy? Don't know. <laughs> you went out of steam a little bit. There were so just... many things that happened. It's hard to remember everything. I mean, I, I read I read the recap before we started recording. I think we talked um, about most of the main bits that we enjoyed. The things that really stuck out to me, we've discussed it, honestly. We we had we had Susan's comeback when she she ends up getting run over by Billy or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had um, Alma's death. Did we talk about that? That was that was really we well done. About it a little bit. Yeah, that, that, that was, was very poignant. I think I've seen that clip so many times. Mm. I think everybody has who um who's watched clip shows because it was you know really sad and um getting... when Audrey gets there just at the last minute. Yeah, she's too late to say goodbye because they were they'd fallen out, hadn't they? Yeah. Um, and there's that really sad scene where everyone's just sitting around the deathbed. Mm. And Audrey comes in and she's talking to to her like she's still alive, but yeah. she she's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's the the scene before she goes in, she's sitting in the car outside with Gail, isn't she? And they're saying you got to go in, you got to go in, and and Audrey's too scared to go in because she doesn't want to go and see Alma die. Well, yeah. And doesn't Linda come out and fetch her and say, you know, you, you need to come in now? But yeah, yeah it's, it's it was, too late. It was, I I like that because. Um, it can, it's it is scary and it's easy if you've not been in that situation to judge Audrey and say, "Oh, but you silly girl, you should have gone in when when because you knew it was your last chance." But death is scary, and knowing and what to say is scary, and wondering if you'll react in a weird way is scary. And she her fears prevented her from saying goodbye to her best friend, you know, mm-hmm. and um. The show didn't judge her really for it, um, which is which is right because sometimes in life when we're confronted with something really difficult, or we do mess up and we don't do the right thing, and it's not really our fault, but it's something that you know you've got to live with if you mm. if you do. And um, yeah, I I I thought that was right because I think unless you know someone who's been very sick or you've been very sick yourself, you don't really realise that a lot of the hardship that comes along with it is other people and them not really knowing mm. what to say or do. And it really is a weird, a weirdly natural reaction yeah. for humans to just avoid someone who's sick. Mm-hmm. And that, it's sad. It is very, really sad. That, that, was, that was so well done. Um, another one that I remember enjoying was the uh, the forty fourth wedding anniversary of Jack and Vera, where they go to the go to the potting shed and uh, has it Jack's cooked her a fish supper or something, hasn't he? And Vera turns up there, and there's like there's the scarecrow that he's dressed up to look like Vera, and uh, they just have a nice little romantic time there, and they remember when they were when they first spent the night together in her dad's potting shed or something and then um Ugh, and then gross. and then they sit and it just ends with them sitting out on the bench telling each other they love each other and sort of singing been together now for 44 years that, that was that was super romantic as was I'll as was what, i just want to say what? i can't believe that um he 
got planning permission for a two-room shed. It was pretty big, wasn't yeah. it? It's pretty pretty palatial. But I, th- I think he inherited that, so it's, it's not anyway, as nice fault. And I was saying that that was lovely and romantic. We also got to see Tyrone and Maria at the Blackpool Tower, which was a oh, fairly boring your... episode. Yeah, but that was up one until of your most point. treasured Corrie. That memories. is one of my favourite Corrie moments, and it didn't let me down. It was so what? sweet. It's really funny that you're you're a bit of an old softy, really, and a bit of a romantic, which I surprised to hear because you've never been like that with me. But you're two of your most favourite treasured Corrie episodes of that one and the two-hander with Curly and Raquel. I love that. There's some of the romantic moments I love. You know, Hayley and Roy at the airport. And, yeah. Well, if you ever want to create any romantic memories with me, just let me know. Take you up Blackpool Tower or... Uh... already done that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nothing happened, I think we it? weren't fast, were we? <laughs> um, we, we saw kind of the breakdown in the um, the Battersby's marriage in this time as well, didn't we? Which was sad. But there, there was a great episode where Janice leaves Les for Dennis. And it's pretty much just them, little bit of Eileen all episode, with like sprinkling of Jason and Todd and Toya and that. And um, the, the first half of the episode is all Les and Janice. And it's, it reminded me a little bit of the, uh, the scene we had earlier this year with Tyrone and Fizz and... Um, a, a lot of time given to the breakup of this big relationship in the show with with some great dialogue and everything that that was um that was a great episode then and then Dennis has to go around to Eileen to fess up to her and everything it's it's so it's very sad and then we had Dennis's death a few episodes after um what else did we have uh, oh go down I think we think you're right I think we talked about most of these Norris being the medal bearer at the Commonwealth Games oh, was yeah, fun that was great that was really that was good one fun. Of, that was a real highlight we were like really confused like did this happen because it looked like it like it, it was it was actually there. filmed at the Commonwealth Games wasn't it but a few it, weeks like, before this was broadcast how did they do it did they say do you mind if we just get a character from our show to give somebody I a medal I guess they must have like, done and so the person who got the medal did they were they in on it or did they like oh you're going to be in Coronation Street I, or think, I don't know whether I don't know whether that or, was an actor yeah, or, that was yeah that's what medal. I mean I'd love to know more about how they filmed yeah. that but that, that was quite sad wasn't it the fact that he was trying to get Emily yeah. to record it and she couldn't get the tape to work yeah or, and then uh, and, and everyone was totally unbothered by it weren't they well, they, they were all watching a really great darts match that Les Battersby was playing in the pub and then in the TV and the background you get to see Norris looking all proud and he's like got a little tear in his eye and everything and everybody misses it apart from maybe isn't it Nick gets to see it but then he goes off to Canada because Nick comes back and forth a few times during during this little stint um still still Adam Rickett Nick although I think we get to see Ben Price Nick in the uh, in the next chunk of five years um what else did we have we had Peter's bigamy story. That kind of seemed to fly by pretty quickly, didn't it? It didn't feel to me like it was that massive when we got to see that. Although I, I still did enjoy the confrontation when um when Shelley and Peter reveal... Oh, sorry, Shelley and Lucy reveal to Peter that they know that he's dating both of them. Although in my head, I pictured them coming into the Rovers and telling him behind the bar, but it was actually behind behind uh, in the back room of the pub. Did you, did you enjoy that or did it kind of... Is it just like meh to you? Mm. What? Mm. We... <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, I, I did enjoy the um, Shelley having a date with Eric Gartside, the uh, oh, Peter Kay's really character. Good. That was fun. That, that... I, I've got a bit of a thing about celebrity cameos in Coronation Street. I find them quite annoying. And then I don't think they're, on the whole, very well done. Because I think they're pandered too much to the celebrities. And there's too much like, eh? Eh? Mm. But he... I tell you what, um, it, the, the, he 
the caliber of his acting was fantastic. Yeah. I, I... And his comedic timing, it was just a masterclass, wasn't it? He was fantastic. He owned that character. He was great. Yeah, that was also quite good because that, that was an episode that I don't think I'd seen before. There were a couple of episodes with him and weren't there because that was when I was living in France and I'd seen some bits of it on clip shows but there were definitely a good a good few scenes and lines that I, I hadn't seen before. So I got, to, I got to appreciate that, you know, taking her to the restaurant and uh, and everything and then taking her home to see his mum. And uh, what was what was the mum doing? Well, she was, she was in bed, wasn't she? And she came downstairs and she was like, don't sit in that chair. It's my husband's chair. He's oh yeah, dead. that's right. Yeah. And like we we'll have the fire on, and she was just being bitchy. She was like really, really bitchy. Yeah, mm. and, and Shelley ends up telling Eric that uh, she can't marry, or she can't go out with somebody who hasn't cut the apron strings yet. But also in that episode, that was also the one that had Tyrone and Fizz dressing up as Jack and Vera because Kirk had stolen an en- uh, an engagement ring from a from a wedding shop uh, from a from a, from a oh. jeweler's, hadn't he? So that he could propose to. Fizz, is that right? I can't remember. Um, I can't and, remember and why. Then they, and then they dress up as Jack and Vera to go and return the, the ring funny. back to the shop. That and was I, I really had funny no too. memory That's of ever seeing that before. That's a weird scene because I feel like if this was in the folder on someone's desktop that they use when they're going for classic Corrie clips, this would be something that we'd see every single time they were like, and, and the laughs. Mm. You know, that would be in it. But for some reason it's been forgotten. Yeah, that has. That has. Um, Danny Baldwin, I enjoyed him. I think he hit the I, ground running much like Eileen the, did. I liked all the Baldwins. I liked them, their Cockney accents. I thought um, it really, it was weird because the scenes where they're all just talking to each other, I can see why people were saying, oh, it's just like EastEnders, it's stupid. Rah, 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 rah. Because they really, they really did dominate um, yeah. the episode. And but- it was weird too because it was like, Watching a really weird modern day Downton Abbey with um, Vera going, eh, ah, Jack's uh, moaning at me about his tea. And then she's there going, oh dear, I'm so bored at home. You know what I mean? Mm. Like sitting in front of the TV with um, Vera as her cleaning lady. Yeah. Complaining that she's bored. Like, if you're bored, love, you could do the cleaning <laughs> and save yourself some money. I thought that Danny Baldwin's first episode was fantastic. And because um, he he gets right in there. and he Another and he, example he... of somebody who really accomplished mm. um, a great introduction. Because one of the things that people remember about Danny Baldwin is giving all the, the factory workers nicknames, isn't he? And he comes in and that's like his first episode. Yeah. It's like, right, who's the gobby one? And right, Karen's like, that's me. Oh, no. And Janice is like, I'm not Gobby. So they say, I'm Bo- Gobby, I'm Bolshe or whatever. Um, and, he and... basically tricks them and he immediately yeah, he... learns who everyone is. And, yeah. And like he, tri- he tricks uh, them by saying that he's mis- made a he's mistake. Like, oh, so I made a mistake here. Hey, I, listen, I told yeah. them that we'd be able to get this order done by the end of the day today. And he's like, oh. Um, and he, he kind of like guilt trips Hayley and like makes her think it's her fault. Yeah. And... Um, and forces them all to work doubly hard, and then he, at the end of the day, he's like, "Well, you've proven to me that you can work really hard." So I expect you to do that every day. day. They were up in arms, weren't they? Yeah, he, that, he also in that first episode had a fight with Les, didn't he? Much to uh, to Janice. Well, J- Janice is like, well, "That's my that's my ex husband," and he's like, "You can thank me later," because yeah. um, doesn't he, Les punt Les like pushes him, and he then. And then Danny kind of goes back on the car and then punches Les and he's like, oh, it's a really, it's springy, springy aluminium. I can't remember, but he he had a really, really strong um, first episode. But again, the Baldwins, another little clan that came into it, did did a few little bits for a few years and then just 
disappeared and and now people have got even me have got just vague vague memories that they were ever there and it feels like it's almost a different show yeah the cory with the old baldwins and yeah um what else did we have oh you said we said about vera earlier the other we just had a great vera moment the other day didn't we in the um the mad meyer episode where the the, uh, the shop's uh, on fire yeah and, yeah and number 13 next door is starting to catch a flame as well and ken's knocking on all the doors and then he goes to goes to number nine he's like vera vera there's a there's a fire and vera comes out and he's just like oh i can oh my god <laughs> i know it's like she heard him shout fire fire come outside and she was like i can <laughs> It, that that was great. It it was it was a decent era, I think. But for for some of the reasons that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, and it's it's not feeling as classic as some of the the proper classic classic ones. Um, there there were some brilliant episodes. There were some good episodes, but just not so many very good episodes. Maybe in there. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff. It just. The magic of the earlier episodes is gone for me, but, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong impression of my opinion of, of Coronation Street because a lot of the the reasons why aren't necessarily to do with the quality of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking down a list of the other, other new characters in this era, and there are still some that we've barely or not even mentioned, like Sam Kingston, for example, who was... <gasps> Oh. He he was he made a bit of an impression on us for the the snippet the of time that he Python. was in, wasn't he? Just because he was so miserable. The masked python. Yeah, he was like he was like um you know how there's um a trope of like the the happy idiot because they're cheerful because they they're too stupid to realise how dreadful life is. Mm. He was like the the idiot burdened with the knowledge of like the future Armageddon of the planet or something. He yeah. was just like the this like the saddest, droopiest dog hang hanging face ever. Yeah. Just moping around and cause he was so tall as well. Mm. I think there's something quite comical about a hang dog expression tall man. <laughs> and he and we, it was such a weird like dichotomy between how he what he was supposed to be and who he actually ended up being because he was supposed to be a stripper. Can you imagine a stripper coming in to a party with all these girls going, woo woo and he's there just going, I'm just thinking about the eventual death much about, of the universe. I don't remember much about what his stories were. He went out with Toya no, for a bit, didn't and he? And it was weird it was weird with him being with Toya too, because she can sometimes be a bit of a, a misery guts herself, especially yeah, back she in those quite days. Faced. Um and just the power of them. Yeah, just moping around, sort of like they kind of reminded me in all but you know appearance, like the goth kids from South Park. Yeah, yeah. They just needed a cigarette and some black clothes. Also miserable with the Ramsdens. We had Charlie and Matt Ramsden that kind of came in and out very quickly. They're didn't another we? example of Coronation Street hating upper middle class. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the teacher and the doctor. Yeah, and she came in like the like the massive raging bitch, didn't she? Because she, mm. she was like oh, we've got to slum it here with these people mm. and complaining and laughing at everybody and hating everyone and just being a bitch. And then the whole thing blew up because they really hated each other and he was cheating on her. And... Oh, yeah, because he, he had that night with Maxine, didn't he? Yeah. That's where little baby Joshua came. Yeah, that's right. That that was quite a good episode. She was kind of relatable in a way, you know, because mm. I, I just... Because she just wasn't having it. Yeah. We had um, <laughs> another forgettable character, Harry Flagg. Harry Flagg? It was like... <sighs> he was like Poochie. 
in Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> like he came but not in, as cool. He's cute. Yeah, but he just came in like he's been there the whole time. And you're like, no, you're yeah. new. Sweeped a few floors, cleaned a few bogs, and then fogged off himself. And there was, like, wasn't there a bit where he kind of like solved everyone's problems in the in I the think factory? he was kind of wise, but... He was like the special, the special guest star who's come to solve everyone's problems. Yeah. There was also Dennis Stringer, who had a very tragic exit. And he yeah, was yeah, he, he was good. He was good. And he, he was... died in a car crash. And there was that quite um, sad scene when, uh, the, you you know, you had two different groups of people going to the hospital and one gets good news and the other one gets bad news. And there was a mix-up. Yeah, I think, and... because that, that was when... Um... Because Janice had left Les for Dennis just a few months before, hadn't she? And And then... Dennis yeah, gets... and they both get in the car together, and there's a crash. Yeah, because then it... they both end up at the hospital, and then she gets there. No, wasn't it that didn't Les try to kill himself on New Year's, and he tries to he drives away somewhere and tries to gas himself. Then Dennis goes off searching for him, finds him, and is like, right, we need to take you to the hospital. But in the rush to the hospital, they end up flipping off the road. I think that's I think that's how it happened. But yeah, that was kind of tragic. But again, Dennis has kind of been. But lost that was to the that was a really time. yeah he it has been. But that was you know pretty mm. solid. Yeah, that was that was solid. Emma we... Watts is like the worst character ever. Kelly Crabtree, we've seen a little bit Love of. Her. There's been a few factory girls, hasn't there? You had like your Bobby Lewis and your Sonia and everything. That there aren't really very many characters that are just there to be factory girls, but they've got names, but they don't really do anything. Which th- this era they had, and almost like they kind of need that at the moment because the the factory staff at the moment is so um, depleted. You you bring back your Sonia or your Bobby or your Kelly or whatever, maybe. Um, Less said about Orchid the better. Oh yeah, that was we we saw a little bit of Orchid, didn't we? Now apparently in this era, this was supposed to be the beginning of Yana Lum. Not that we saw her, and also Jenny Reese, who's the the registrar played by Blue Merrick. Oh. She did her first um uh, her service of her service maybe this this year. We didn't get to see that, but maybe we'll get to see her soon. Violet we saw for an episode, didn't we? Yeah, Fairly she like on. slept with Jason and then got to have Christmas dinner with them. Yeah. I would, if I was Eileen, I'd have a lot of questions about a woman who had nowhere to be on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, I've also got a little list here about other exits that have happened. I wonder whether any of those are particularly remarkable. Nita and Natalie just kind of pop off, don't they? Gary ends up finding a new woman, new redhead, who he, he rescues uh, in Blackpool. Um, oh, yeah, Alison's death was quite good. Again, very sorry for anyone who's watching classic Coronation Street at the moment because Alison was such a bland character. But actually, just recently in ITV3, she's been having some fairly decent stuff where she's... She's Kevin's girlfriend. Yeah, uh, well, she marries him in the end, doesn't she? And um, she goes mad. She she goes mad and um, because she she loses the baby and then... Um, or does she lose the baby or does it get born and then die? I can't remember. But she ends up stealing baby Bethany doesn't she and, and there's a great little scene where she does a long tragic speech before running in front of a yeah. in front of a lorry so she had, right a, front of Kevin. she had quite a good exit actually and, and like I said right at the moment in ITV3 she, where she's um with we're learning about her past and how she feels she was responsible for her sister's death it's, it's fairly good but on the whole fairly dull character but yeah at least she got a good um good exit um just looking down these other lists of Danny R. Greaves, he was boring as well. You get, as you know at the moment, if you're watching on ITV3, that was that was um, Sally's um, bloke that she went out with for a bit. He kind oh, of goes well, between. He, he's posh and he doesn't really like the kids. No, no, that's Greg Kelly. You're oh, thinking yeah. of. 
No, he, he was a market trader. He goes out with Sharon for a little bit as well in the late 90s, but he, he was fairly dull. Um, Vikram went off. We didn't get to see much of his exit. Um, I think all these other ones we've, we've heard of. Um, I suppose the only other thing that we haven't really talked about so far is some of the recasts we've seen, because this era saw the new Rosie and Sophie, didn't it? We got to see young, young Helen yeah. Flanagan, which was quite cool. She ended up starting quite a long time before Brooke Benson, because we've only seen a little bit of Brooke, haven't we? A few of her episodes. But um, yeah, getting to see the young Helen Flanagan interacting with young Jack P. Shepherd has been quite cool. Doesn't he, doesn't Jack, I mean, doesn't David kind of fancy Rosie for a little bit? I can't remember. Yeah, he kind of fixates on her, doesn't he, a little bit? Yeah, he does, he does a little bit. <coughs> um, I mean, we've talked about these recasts, like Susan, when we talked about Gordon Clegg comes back for Betty's leaving party and that's played by somebody else, but then he goes back to being the original actor at the very end. But, um, yeah, I think that's. I think that we're kind of we're kind of done. Um, I I enjoyed it, and and I think that I think in the late nineties we we talked about the fact that earlier this year we had a break from this for about a month, didn't we? We were trying to get through nineteen ninety six, and it was such a slog. We were like, we need to just pause our classic Coronation Street watching at the moment. And I don't think there was ever a time during this where we thought, let's give it a break. It was always all right to watch an episode. Yeah. But equally, there weren't very many who were like, oh, we've got to watch it, we've got to see what happens next, got to watch it, got to watch it. It just kind of, it was on. And then occasionally, there'd be a really, really good episode. And I think that's probably going to continue into the, the second half of the, of the noughties. So I had a little look um, in the DVD case just the other day to see what was upcoming. And there are definitely some, some, some classics there. But um, I, I'm still just really looking forward to get into the end of 2009 so we can say right let's go back to the 60s again because I'm, yeah, I'm getting a real hankering I want to see every episode I can I know because with this I mean back back in the 60s we watched just the DVDs didn't yeah. we so we watched so eight episodes a year but now because we're, we're we're watching more than just the DVDs some year we're watching like 15 20 episodes we're pretty much watching at least twice as much as we were back then and that's another reason why it's taken us you know, three four months to get to this stage but um absolutely once this is done so it's probably going to be you know march april time maybe and we'll have been doing this for over two years now i know it's the beginning of the By then, just before yeah. the beginning of the pandemic that we started yeah. watching the 60s episodes and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to doing this but it's still been a great experience and and once once we reach the end of 2009, as well as doing a little rundown of these ne next five years, we'll also have to have a talk about, you know, the whole experience of watching Corrie from kind of start to finish almost, not obviously not all of it, but how, what, what our reflections are on, on the, the fact that we did it. And then it took us so long to do as well, didn't it? We, we were doing the podcast for like seven, eight oh, years yeah. before we even decided to, let's go back and watch some of the old ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish I'd done it sooner, but at the same time, um, it has been interesting and it's given me a different perspective to have kind of steeped myself in the kind of myths and legends of the early years before I even got to watch it. Mm. And um, I, w I really, really wish we had done some kind of pre-Old Corrie episode where I tried to piece together what I what my impressions were you mm. know yeah it's yeah. difficult to remember what I thought 
mm. or what I thought, you know, what did I expect of X, Y, or Z? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> I think it feels like we're done. We're, yeah. we're running out of steam for this. Hope you all enjoyed um, hearing about that. Sorry again if we spoiled it for the people that are keeping up at ITV3 pace at the moment. You'll probably forget all about this by the time it comes around anyway. Well, it, and I'm as sorry, always with these, our... What? It's not like it's not the same as a normal spoiler. No, no. Because it's it's got it in the title that we're going to be talking about <laughs> these, these these years. And and of course, um, a lot of our as with all of these, our our thoughts were very, probably fairly um rambling and incoherent and jumping from one year to the next. And um, we understood each other, but there's probably a lot of people listening that are like, what on earth they're talking about? One minute they're talking about Vera Duckworth, Scarecrow. The next they're talking about Danny Baldwin. Then they're talking about Alison throwing us out in front of a lorry. But it made sense to us anyway. So um, I hope you enjoyed it. And if, if you were around and watching Coronation Street in that era and you haven't caught any of it you know, since the original airing, hopefully that brought back a few memories for you and uh, maybe even made you want to go out and get that DVD yourself. So, we are done for now. We're going to get this um, uploaded later on this week. And um, find me. And then this time next week, we'll be looking at seeing what's going on for episode 500 as well. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. Gemma, any final words from you? Um, no. No final words from Gemma. Nor me. Abby's asleep. So, we're going to go there. Thank you for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Thank you.